Welcome to the Thread and Ladle podcast, where we share conversations about living a handmade life and inspire each other to practice daily acts of creativity. I'm your host, Beatrice Perrin Dolan. You're listening to episode six, Embroidery. Thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. Here in Maine, where I am, it's starting to finally turn into fall and the weather is crisping up a bit. And we've even had some uh, fires in our wood stove and it feels like a magical time of year. Uh, And of course, there's been lots more knitting by the wood stove, which is always my favorite place to be when the weather is cold. But that's all aside, because today, for today's episode, I wanted to talk about embroidery. And the reason I wanted to talk about embroidery is because uh, knitting has made this really big revival. You know, there, it's it's become kind of posh, and there's tons and tons of resources out there, tons of great uh, patterns, but embroidery hasn't made the same kind of comeback that knitting has. Um, and I often get questions about it. I've, ha- I've taught embroidery to adults and children, and I've done some embroidery kits and embroidery patterns over the years. I've had some work in making magazine. And so I thought it was a good thing to talk about today because I've also gotten the feedback from people that it's just a little bit more intimidating than knitting. Um, embroidery has a f- very different feel, and I've heard some people describe it as more painterly or drawing, and I think that's very true. When we're knitting, it's um, it's much more linear how we follow the instructions and how we create something. But embroidery, it's sort of wide open, and it really almost feels like somebody handing you a paintbrush and a canvas, and you sort of just don't know where to begin. So today, I thought I'd talk about some basics, some of the materials, and some places to start for those people who are um, looking to start doing embroidery, but don't know where to begin. I thought I'd start just by talking about a few of the types of embroidery out there. Uh, Usually what I'm talking about when I talk about embroidery is just a regular embroidery needle with um, embroidery thread that you might do on like a linen or cotton fabric. There's other kinds. One is cruel embroidery, not C-R-U-E-L, but C-R-E-W-E-L, which is usually done, uh, and it's very similar to embroidery. You use the same stitches for the most part, but it's done with a bigger needle, sometimes a bigger, more open fabric, and you usually use a, a bigger and usually woolen thread for stitching. And so in some ways you can you can fill up a, something with color more quickly than you can with a typical embroidery. Um, but I've not done much of that myself. There's a few resources out there for those of you who are interested in cruel. Cross stitch is really fun to play with and I've been playing with a little bit of cross stitch here and there recently. Cross stitch is done on a grid a gridded fabric um, and you just make X's to fill up the space. And I've found that there's not so many resources. In fact, I found no resources out there for cross stitch that isn't kind of kitschy. Uh, And so I started to play with making my own cross stitch motifs that that veer away from what you usually find. And I, I just haven't found that many people doing it in like a modern, fresh or funky way that appeals to me. Um, And then if any of you listeners have and want to share that, I would love to hear it because I just, 
there's sort of there's sort of a dead space of resources when it comes to cross stitch. And I would say that's true for needlepoint as well. And needlepoint, I think the tools are similar to cross stitch, but the stitch is different. And I've never done it, so I couldn't tell you how the stitch is different. When in cross stitch, you're actually making X's on your gridded fabric, which is called Ada cloth. Um, and I'm not sure how needlepoint differs, but it is different. So if you are interested in starting some embroidery, I'm going to tell you what materials you might want to consider getting. So you'd want embroidery thread, a needle, a few needles probably, fabric, an embroidery hoop. You'd, you might want transfer paper or some kind of design on your fabric already, uh, or an image if you are transferring an image onto your paper. Maybe a pen if you're using transfer paper. And I'd say a book of stitches. Um, and there's also websites out there, so you may not need a book of stitch book, but um, but there's a few that I would recommend, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So when it comes to embroidery thread, um, there's a handful of companies out there. Uh, one of the things, actually, I want to mention before I get into that is that there, when you're searching online, you want to be make, make sure that you are searching for hand embroidery because there are also a lot of resources out there for machine embroidery. Um, and so don't get those too mixed up. If you're... Uh, doing a Google search or something, you might want to just make sure that you put hand embroidery so you don't accidentally buy thread that was meant for a sewing machine. So hand embroidery thread, the biggest company that I've seen around for hand embroidery thread is DMC. And there's a few smaller sort of boutique-y um, thread manufacturers out there. I haven't used many of them very much. Um, but DMC is a good place to start, especially if you're just learning. And I'd say there's there's two different kinds of threads I would consider buying. There's a six-stranded embroidery thread, which, which is what I've usually used. Um, and the nice thing about the six strands is that you can pull apart this different strand. So you could use one strand of it, two, three, or all six, or four or five, depending on how thick you want your line to be. If you want it to be very delicate, you might just use one strand. But the downside to the six-strand embroidery thread is that they can get um, sort of unaligned, and you have to maybe stop and smooth it out so that they, they, the six strands don't tangle on themselves. So if you're just starting, it might not be the first place to start because that can be kind of a frustrating learning curve, um, is to keep your six strands sort of in, in place with each other. So the one I would probably recommend for most people who are brand new to embroidery is the DMC Pearl Cotton, and it comes in a few sizes. Uh, size 5 is one a nice, a nice size. Size 3 is a smaller one, so you could maybe try both um, if you want something finer. Um, for just learning, though, there's nothing wrong with size 5, or a, a bigger needle and thread might be easier when you're just starting to learn. So those are the threads that I would get started with, and you can find them at most craft stores, and you can also find them online. You can find a color card if you're looking to buy them in line so that you um, know what you're looking for. But as always, I highly re recommend that you support your local shops that might have them, or if you are buying them online, uh, try supporting a small shop. Pearl Soho has some embroidery threads, and you know you might want to check Fancy Tiger Crafts or things places like that that might have it. Um, and I always just prefer to support a smaller company that I know of um, rather than a huge company. The needles that you'll need, um, the embroidery needles are sized between 1 and 12. 1 is the largest and 12 is the finest. So you really need to make sure that your thread size matches your needle size. So if, for instance, you had a size 1 or 2 needle and you got a size 
a pearl cotton size five, which is sort of a thicker thread. The problem is that you may not be able to get your thread through the eye of the needle. So you want to make sure that that matches. And that's why I recommend buying a package of needles that has sizes to choose from. And it's not a very expensive investment. And that way you have some to play with um, to see what you like and also what works well with the thread that you have. When choosing fabric, um, really you can just start embroidering. I would have really practice on muslin or a quilting weight cotton. If you have uh, fabric scraps or someone you know has fabric scraps, this is a great, great way to use them up. Something with an even weave is great. Um, and the nice thing about using scraps or something like that is if it has a pattern on it already, that can be kind of your template for playing with stitches because it's really nice when you're doing embroidery to have something on the fabric to follow because as you as you work, um, you probably will find that it's really hard to follow a line. And that's part of the learning curve is being able to make your stitches follow the line. So if your scrap fabric has something already on it just to help you practice that, it's that's great and really helpful. Um, linen is also a really nice uh, thing once you've graduated from muslin or scrap fabric. Linen is really nice to work on too. Anything that's got an even weave and also make sure that you always pre-wash your fabric, just like when you're sewing, you should always pre-wash your fabric. And I also recommend, this is an aside, that if you are doing something that's going to be washed a lot, say you're working on a garment, I would, if I spend a lot of time embroidering a garment, I would probably hand wash it. But if it's going to be washed, you know, and it's on a garment, you might want to also think about some, some stabilizer on the fabric so that it, as it goes through the wash, it, it has a little bit more structure and, um, and your embroidery doesn't get sort of beat up in the washer, washer or hand washed, you know, whatever, however you're washing it. Uh, embroidery hoops. I, I find that really, if you find a cheap wooden embroidery hoop, this does the trick. Um, they're pretty, pretty inexpensive and you can try different ones to find your favorite. There's some that are sort of like spring loaded metal ones. There's plastic ones. Um, I really like the spring-loaded metal ones. They have sort of like a plastic outer and you pinch the inner ring and it keeps the fabric pretty taut or the some of the plastic ones have li lips that kind of keep the fabric in place, but a wooden one is just fine as well. And the wooden ones, I think, make sort of nice frames if you're going to hang something on the wall. They make nice frames and you can also paint them or stain them if you're going to use them as frames. The four inch ones are the small, are probably the smallest. Actually, you can get a little bit smaller. Um, they, you could start there, but I would recommend starting maybe with a six inch as a sort of medium good place to start. You can try any sizes, of course, and they're so, the wooden ones are so inexpensive, you might even buy a few to try. Um, but four inches, once, it, it's not very far, you know, long till you reach the other end and you have to, um, if you've filled up your fabric, you have to take it out, readjust it. So having a little bit bigger workspace, like a six inch or even an eight inch is nice. Transfer paper is something I use a lot when I am doing embroidery. I often do my own designs or I find if I'm doing it for personal use, I will find images or photographs um, off the internet or from my own photographs that I like, and I'll use a transfer paper to transfer it to my fabric. Um, I've found other methods that say they don't bleed, often bleed, but the transfer paper never bleeds. Um, it does rub off as you're working, and I sometimes have to reapply, but I'd much rather reapply my design as I'm working than have to put a ton of work into something and then have 
the, a pen bleed on it later and have a stain on it forever. Like I said, if I'm only using it for personal use and if you're only using it for personal personal use, it's simple to find some images online to transfer, like images of birds or leaves. Um, or you can use the already printed quilting weight cotton or something like that as a sampler. And you can also buy fabric that already has been printed for you with the intent of embroidering. Um, Rebecca Rinquist has some great samplers and I'll link to her in the show notes. And I'm sure there's a ton more on Etsy if you look. Um, Miniature Rhino is another great place for some really cool um, and cute pre-printed embroidery kits. Pen. You'll need a ballpoint pen if you're using the transfer paper. Um, And you, like I said, there's a lot of washable pens out there. Uh, but I've found that they don't always wash. So I would steer away from them when working uh, with embroidery. And now the last thing you're probably going to want is a book of stitches. And the first place you might want to check is just your local library. They almost always have a few stitch dictionaries at your local library, and then you can not have to pay for it, and it's it'll be a great resources. And I I actually ended up buying the, the stitch dictionary that I own after I took it out so many times from our local library. I just finally bought it. But that's a great place to start. There's also tons of um, internet resources, YouTube resources. There's a great resource called the Embroidery Pocket Guide. And it's like $5. I'll link to it in the profile. And it has a really good, really good illustrations. And it's a really good starting point for some basic stitches that so it's it's an awesome first stitch dictionary. Now, what what are you going to embroider? That I think this is the part where, you know, when you're knitting, there's there's such a purpose, you're making a scarf or you're making a sweater. But embroidering something, embellishing something is a little bit more like, well, what am I going to make with it? And I still struggle with that sometimes myself. Um, I've done a lot of wall hangings over the years, like I mentioned before, where you can also just, you know, put it on stretchers or or put it in an embroidery hoop and hang it on the wall. Um, and that's a lovely thing to do. And But but sometimes you might want to do more. You could do table linens like napkins or um, table runners or things like that. Um, clothing, I think there's some really neat uh, images of like embroidered jean jackets and jeans and things and um, woolen sweaters on Pinterest. So I have a I have a Pinterest board for 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 embroidery. I think it's called Getting Stitchy, and actually I'll try and link to that in the show notes too, so that you have just some images of how far people push embroidery these days. There are some people pushing bounds with it. There's people making fine art with it. And then there's people just making really beautiful journals or pouches or um, little tags for things that they've made, patches, or just embellishing things that they already own. Um, So I'll link to that in the show notes. And I would love to hear and see what you are embroidering too. So if you um, post it on social media, be sure to tag me because I'd love to see it. Now, we already talked a little bit about transfer paper, that that might be one of the things you want on your supply list, but we didn't talk about how to get the image onto the fabric, and it's really simple to use. Um, the, I use a brand called Sarral, S-A-R-A-L, and I just use the transfer paper, put it face down on the fabric, put the so the, the colored side will be touching your fabric, the, the image on top so that I can see it, and then I trace it with really hard with a ballpoint pen. 
Um, and like I said, you may need to retrace it before finishing it, but it won't stain. And you can get that tra tracing paper in a pack that comes with multiple colors. So for instance, it might have black and white, which is nice because if you're working on a dark fabric, you'd want to use the white one, right? And if you have a light fabric, you'll want the dark one. So it's kind of nice. And those can be reused quite a few times before they're, they're done. So it's, it's not a huge investment. The stitches I would recommend starting with, um, and I'm not going to try and tell you how to do it so much over uh, the podcast because I think it's just something that you need to see. And um, some of the resources I've pointed out, like if you get the pocket guide, it has great illustrations that is going to help you much more than um, me telling you. So I'll just mention some of the ones that I think are good starting points. And running stitch is a super simple stitch. You probably already know it if you've done any kind of handwork and you're just going in and out evenly of the fabric. But once you do running stitch, there's some other fun ways that you can thread. You can thread it, which is called threading running, threaded running stitch. And there, it's a super simple stitch, but it can you can make really beautiful things with it. So it's a great one to have in your pocket. And then you just have one more, you know, stitch in your repertoire. Um, backstitch, I think, is a lovely stitch, and it's a really important stitch because there's a lot of other stitches that have sort of the same motion of backstitch that so that kind of build off of it. So once you know backstitch and are able to do that, you might be be learning another stitch and think, oh, okay, that's that's similar to backstitch. That's what I'm doing here. And it gives you a solid line where running stitch is going to be a dashed line. Backstitch is going to give you a solid line. So it's really nice for text. It's really nice for outlining shapes and things like that. Satin stitch. Now, satin stitch is, a, you know, a, when you're filling an area with thread. And there's many ways to do satin stitch. Um, so there's a like more of a basic one that I stick to when I'm teaching people how to do satin stitch. And that's a padded satin stitch. And even when you're doing a padded satin stitch, there's several ways to do it. But there's... That's one I'd start with because it's um, it's really it's a great way to fill up a space and add color and um, it's just a really good one that you should have in your repertoire. Another great one is chain stitch and kind of like the back stitch, it's a it's also a motion that you may recognize once you get going. And there's a couple ways to do chain stitch and it can be tricky at first, but once you get it, um, it's a it's a great one and it's it looks like a chain, which is why it's called chain stitch. Now, um, the last one I'll mention is French knot. And if you have already sort of explored embroidery or thought about embroidery, you might have heard that it's really hard. And it is kind of tricky, but once you get it, it's addictive. It's a really fun stitch. So I highly recommend that you do the French knot. And there's actually, um, I helped Carrie Hogue, who does Making Magazine. My hands are in the they're the dots issue. Um, there's a, a French knot uh, tutorial in that issue of making magazine. And those are my hands. So, um, there's, if you have that magazine, you already have a tutorial on how to do it. A few resources that I would recommend for, um, those who are looking to, to get into embroidery is Pearl Soho. They have a great online shop, but they also have great online tutorials. They usually have like such a great, they just have great blog posts with great 
know-how. Um, so I'll link to their embroidery tutorials in the show notes. They have great ones. Um, and then, like I said, Making Magazine usually has one or more embroidery pattern in each issue. And sometimes they also have tutorials for specific stitches. So that's a great resource as well. And then there's also all amazing um, kits. I'll link to Rebecca Rinquist and her kits. I'll also link to A Verb for Keeping Warm and some of their kits, which are some of them are hand dyed, which is really lovely. And um, Fancy Tiger Crafts has some as well. And of course, there's so, so, so many books out there. And if you have some favorites, I'd love to hear which ones are your favorites. So let me know or pop into the Thread and Ladle Ravelry group and there's a podcast thread in there. You can let us know there too. Thank you for joining me today on the Thread and Ladle podcast. I would be delighted if you could take the time to leave a review on iTunes. And thank you so much to those of you who've already done that. It means the world to me and it helps this podcast become successful and it helps me continue to produce it. So thank you. Thank you if you've already left a review. And if you haven't, I would super appreciate it if you could take the time to do that. Today, I wanted to leave you with this quote from one of my favorite artists named Louise Nevelson. I'm in tune with the right vibrations in the universe when I'm in the process of working. Thank you for joining me today on the Thread and Ladle podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes are posted or when I publish new knitting patterns, you can sign up for my email list at threadandladle.com slash newsletter. You can also find me on Ravelry and on Instagram under the handle at threadandladle. Until next time, may you find joy and creativity in your days.